Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Our topic today is one of the most vexing problems in the history of religion and philosophy, I suppose, the existence of God. My guest is Dr. Jim Driscoll. He is a specialist in Renaissance literature and is one of the foremost literary critics focusing in on Jungian criticisms of Renaissance literature. He is the author of Identity in Shakespearean Drama, The Unfolding God of Jung and Milton, and Shakespeare and Jung, The God in Time. This is an internet interview, and now I'll switch over to that video. Welcome, Jim. It's a pleasure to be with you once again. Thank you, Jeffrey. It's good to be here. We're going to talk about a very interesting question, one that has puzzled philosophers and college sophomores in particular, I think, for many generations, the existence of God. And it strikes me that uh, one of the real difficulties of addressing the question is defining the nature of God in the first place. That's correct. That, that's a, a very difficult qu question. And in my book, uh, The God of Time, I've dealt with it and seen four, four different levels of five different levels of meaning. The, the first one is simply the God image within the self. And Jung maintained that every human being has a God image in the self and that that's basically uh, the, the start of how, how people get into thinking about God and, and, and so on. And that God image uh, is really the self, uh, which is a homostatic, regulating uh, force within the, the, the psyche. And according to, to Jung and the Hermeticist and various uh, 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 traditions, uh, the microcosm, which is the self, mirrors the macrocosm. And there's a structure, regulate regulating device, uh, force for the universe itself that is parallel to the self in regulating the, the psyche. So that, that's the basic uh, uh, first level. And then you go to a second level, which is uh, has to do with the social conceptions of uh deity. People start talking with each other and trying to figure thing, things out, and they develop religions, which explain their spiritual and, and psychic uh, uh, intuitions and perceptions. And these tend to be uh, tribal uh, initially, and rather simple in isolated tribes. But in civilizations, they grow into something very complex and that becomes a civilizational godhead. And uh, uh, the Jew is basically a Judeo-Christian godhead uh, in the West, uh, where you start out with the primitive parent figure, and then you move into a kind of hostile brothers uh, uh, archetype, 
where you have Satan and uh, versus essentially Christ, and then at the top you have the Holy Spirit. That, of course, is the Christian view. Uh, the Jewish does, does not elaborate in, in that uh, uh, direction. Islam claims to have the same God, uh, but a more accurate perception of it, and the Islamic Godhead is unitary. It's not a quaternity uh, or a trinity, as, as in the Christian case. Uh, it's simply one uh, uh, deity. Uh, and But in the Islamic case, this reflects, the deity reflects not the self so much as it does uh, the ego. Of course, Islamic scholars would disagree with that. And in the Christian case, uh, uh, according to Jung, you have the same thing. You have uh, uh, ego, but going through a kind of individuation process in history. Uh, but uh, th- then you have another conception of God, which is appears uh, in Greek mythology, uh, in the East, in Taoism, for, for example, and that's identified with nature or uh Gaia is the current modern conception of it, uh, promulgated by James Lovelock. And it's the idea that uh, there's a homostatic uh, uh, regulating mechanism for nature itself. And that's identified with with Gaia. So that's kind of a god of life on earth. Uh, Whereas we we were talking previously about God, uh, a civilizational godhead being the regulating values and and ideas and so on of a particular civilization. Now, none of these things are the same as actual God, and that's a term that Jung uses. Uh, Not very much. Uh, I think it's a very interesting and important term uh, because uh, the, the question is, whether there is an actual God. And uh, I think that the answer to that is is yes, for, for several reasons. For, for one thing, the universe is ordered. It's not chaos. And so actual God is, uh, in fact, uh, the ordering uh, laws or forces of the universe, the chief of which, in my view, is time. Uh, but... Also, uh, actual God uh, is something that would prevail anywhere in the universe at any time. And we have to consider that the universe is incredibly vast. Uh, On my book, uh, The God in Time, I I have this picture of a galaxy on on the front. This galaxy is 9.6 billion years from the Milky Way, uh, and it is a particularly gigantic galaxy. Uh, it was evidently the largest, thought to be the largest galaxy discovered at the time in which it was discovered. Uh, but 9.6 billion is just an unbelievable distance when you consider that the closest galaxy to us is 1.3 million uh, light years from us. But uh, actual God has to, uh, as a meaningful concept, has to be applied in for, as a governing force in this galaxy 
just as much as it does in uh, here here in the Milky Way and anywhere in the universe. Uh, and I find it difficult when I consider that 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 it has to apply throughout this vast uh, universe of uh, we have evidently it's estimated three trillion galaxies the size of uh, the Milky Way, and the Milky Way has approximately 100 billion stars, of which ours is average. Well, actual God has to apply to everywhere and in the entire universe. And so I identify it with the form, uh, force of time, but uh, it's also a kind of a context for the human conceptions of God it's not really uh, an alternative to, to them, but um, it's not so far apart, so far away, and so distant as that it is uh, unimportant to us. In fact, uh, the mystics try to uh, uh, reach this God. Uh, more than the god of uh, uh, of the various re religions uh, that and uh, my belief is that when people have genuine mystical experiences are having some sort of communication with this god, not with the god of any civilization or any tribe uh, so you ha you have these various levels of God, and it 's my belief that actual God, uh, that we can definitely say that actual God exists simply because there's order, uh, and th that comes from the fact that we have time uh, and energy, and it follow they follow certain orderly patterns. Uh, there's also meaning and value in the universe. And when people think of God, they wonder, is life meaningless? Is everything meaning, uh, meaningless or is it meaningful? Well, actual God, by get, giving order uh, to things, and uh, one of the ways it gives order through time is through the irreversibility of time. That makes each event unique. Uh, and... It also uh, allows for creativity, since um, uh, creativity requires uh, uh, uniqueness or the ability to produce uniqueness. So uh, all of these are uh, uh, things that can be seen in an actual God. Uh, now, uh, one of the problems with... Uh, our conceptions of God, I, I think, is that in the West, we, we look at, we talk about worshiping God. God is something to be worshipped. And, or we, in uh, Islam, it's submission. You submit. You obey. My own personal thought is that a God who is worthy of submission and obedience wouldn't want that from us. And a God who is worthy of worship wouldn't be interested in that. Uh, and But I think if we can attribute intentions to this deity in an anthropomorphic way, uh, we would say that what God wants is uh, communication, understanding, 
maybe above all, listening, learning to listen to God, uh, rather than learning to worship him or learning to obey him. We learn to listen, which you do that by getting in touch with the self. Uh, you also get in touch with, with time, the way Jung tried to do with synchronicities, and even the astrologers try, try, try to do that. Um, it's a very different approach, and uh, it's trying to get in touch with God as a self, as yourself trying to get in touch with the self of the universe, rather than your ego trying to get in touch with some uh, other ego, which is basically shaped like a, in the West, like some sort of uh, desert sheik, sheik or tribal deity, uh, uh, or in many pri primitive civilizations, uh, uh, it's God is envisaged as, as an animal. Uh, in Bern, Switzerland, they used to uh, uh, worship bears 3,000 years ago. In Siberia, they worshiped the tig Siberian tiger as God, and, and so on. But it's not, uh, it's self to self. Uh, but I'm going on. You probably have other questions. Well, it seemed as if you were equating actual God with the Jungian self in, in some way. I think actual the Jungian self is the uh, reflection of actual God, or it is the presence of actual God within the human psyche. Well, that's pretty clear. In other words, in, in effect, you're saying God exists because we exist. Well, that's essentially what Jung, uh, Jung said. He said, well, uh, I, I don't believe in God. I know uh, God exists because I experience him directly in experiencing the self. So uh, that, that, that's, uh, I think, my, my view as well. God is not something that you prove that exists like you prove that uh, there is like a, 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 an additional moon to, to, to Saturn, uh, for, for example. Well, when I say we, when I refer to the human being, what I'm really suggesting is we are conscious. We have, a, we are each of us. You could say a point of awareness. A uh, a self isn't just an object. A self is a subject. Yes, uh, that's true. And uh, uh, one might say that God is the subject of the universe. Yeah. Or perhaps the subject of the universe is a demigod and that the actual God is still even more transcendent. I don't know. In my view, actual God is identified with time. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that it's exactly the same as, as time and there is nothing more to God than time. Uh, there may be more, but... Time is an essential attribute and manifestation of uh, actual God. Well, time is very paradoxical because we're always only ever in the now moment. 
We never experience directly anything but the now moment. The future and the past are somehow uh, elusive. Yes. Uh, we're always on the edge, uh, uh, l- looking forward, looking to things that, that, that uh, don't yet exist and back to things that, that no longer exist. Uh, we're simply uh, a knife's edge of consciousness that uh, moves forward with time. I mean, if you say that God is time, isn't that very similar to saying that God is the now moment? Which is, I think, something that one might hear from uh, a spiritual teacher like Eckhart Tolle. God is the now moment, but God is more than the now moment. Because uh, time it, it is structured. It, it has uh, patterns, and uh, it's been someplace, it's going someplace, uh, uh, now, uh, you might say that uh, the now moment is how we experience time, but we also reflect, uh, always in the now moment, of course, but we still we reflect upon the past, we anticipate the future. Uh, so much of, well, it might even be said that all of what, of what our thinking and consciousness is either reflecting on the past or uh, uh, anticipating the future because we're not really thinking anything if we're just in the now moment. Uh, we, our minds are sort of blankly receiving whatever perceptions are coming in, either internally into the psyche or through our eyes and, uh, and uh, senses. Well, it strikes me if we come back to this notion of subjectivity and uh, and being the the subject. Is to my knowledge, there's really nothing that you can find in physical science that explains subjectivity at all. The fact the fact that we each have subjective awareness seems to completely elude physical science, which suggests to me that there's it, it partakes of our spiritual nature. One might even say the divinity within us is allows us to have subjective experiences. It's a precondition. Uh, subjectivity is a precondition for having science, art, <laughs> any of these other things. So. Uh, it seems not sensible to be looking for subjectivity as if it were a thing among things, because it's a precondition for, for, all, for all things. Wouldn't that be a pretty good definition of God? A precondition for all things? Well, that would be one definition of God. Yeah, yes. Uh, but uh, I think that a lot of people, when they wonder whether God exists, they're, they're wondering, is there any meaning to life? Is there any value? Or uh, uh, is it all pointless? And uh, uh, it may be pointless in terms of our mythologies in that, uh, that they're not true. Uh, the earth was not created 6,000 years ago. Uh, it's not going to end with uh, uh, Jesus or some um, uh, Messiah or some other figure coming down and and changing everything. 
Uh, it's not, the meaning of our life is not something that we can find in any of uh, the belief systems that we've developed. However, it is something that we can find. Uh, it was, uh, I remember a story, I think you might have told me, it was Krishna Murta, and a woman came to him and asked him and said, I look for God every, everywhere and cannot find him. What do I do? And he said, asked her, is there anything that makes you happy or delights you? And she said, yes, my nephew gives me great delight. And uh, he said, that is how God speaks to you. Or that is manifests himself or itself to, to you. And uh, it need not be another person. It could be an activity that you particularly enjoy uh, a moment. Uh, uh, and it can be negative things too. Time is irreversible, and that means every event is unique. Everything in the universe is unique. And uniqueness uh, and duration uh, and creativity are are three of the the ways in which we we measure value, maybe the three most important ways in which we, we measure value. So uh, all of those things are uh, indisputable. Uh, Now you can theorize that, uh, you can theorize anything you want, and so you can uh, uh, dispute them that way, but uh, just imagining something so is not going to be, uh, create something with which you can deal, uh, something that is in any sense existential. It's just a fantasy. And uh, uh, what we deal with is, in our lives, is uh, unique irreversibility. Um, uh, These also imply responsibility and and a kind of freedom. We create who we are because uh, uh, everything is unique and everything is irreversible. so uh, it, it's all meaningful, but it's not necessarily going to be meaningful in the way people want, or it may not be meaningful in a way that makes them happy. But if it doesn't make them happy, they have to find a way uh, to have value and meaning that, that does make them happy. And that's almost always possible unless... Even if you have only a moment left to reflect before your death, uh, there are ways of finding meaning and value in that uh, in that moment. I suppose there are. There's the interesting story of uh, a man being chased by a tiger over a cliff, and he jumps over the cliff to avoid the tiger, and he finds himself on a little ledge. And the tiger is up above him, and down below are rocks, so he has no opportunity. But he notices on the cliff where he's stuck some strawberries growing. So he says to himself, I might as well enjoy a good strawberry. 
So there, I mean, we can find meaning simply in physical pleasure. Yeah, we, we, we find meaning in all sorts of circumstances where we're not looking for it. And sometimes by looking diligently, we just make ourselves uh, uh, n- n- neurotic and uh, fixated and uh, plunge into uh, something that seems meaningless to us. Mm-hmm. Now, in your description, you make much of the fact that time is irreversible. And I suppose from our conventional lived experience, time is uh, irreversible. Uh, there's the Benjamin Button movie where he is born old and then grows younger and younger and ends his life as an infant. But that never happens in in real life, however, physicists tell us that at the quantum level, time is perfectly reversible, that there's there's nothing at the quantum level that suggests that time only moves in one direction. But we don't exist at, at the quantum level. And uh, there's no evidence that things above the level, the quantum level, the level of bodies and mo- even molecules and atoms uh, reverse time. And not all... S- physicists agree with that view. Uh, I'm not, uh, physics isn't something that I spend a great deal of time uh, with, so I'm not uh, aware of what the consensus is. Uh, The idea that time is irreversible is something that was, uh, that is usually attributed to St. Augustine. Now, that doesn't mean that he was the very first to think of it, but uh, perhaps he was the first to think deeply about it. And uh, it's one of the reasons why we think uh, this idea, his thoughts on time, are one of the reasons why we think uh, of Augustine as more than just a saint and a theologian, but as a profound uh, philosophical thinker. Uh, and the idea of the reversibility of time is different from, uh, it's novel for him in the sense that uh, the Hellenic culture in which he grew up, which by that time had moved from Platonism into Neoplatonism, but it tended to look as, at time as circular, just going around and around and around <coughs> for uh for eternity, and uh, he said, no, uh, it has a beginning, uh, and not exactly, well, yes, an end, because everything is absorbed back in, 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 into God, I, I believe that's the way he would look at it, and everything in between is unique and in irreversible. So rather than having things that are just repeated over and over again, uh, uh, rather than time being unreal, as it is, in, uh, I suppose, in uh, the Greek circular views, or in some some views of modern physicists, they say, well, time is just set from beginning to end, and it, it, the idea that there is time is unreal. It's just kind of a block universe. But St. Augustine says, no, not so. Uh, time is real, events are irreversible. Therefore, we're responsible for what we are. Our lives are our creation, and we are creative, just like God. 
So, uh, St. Augustine is a very profound and important thinker. Uh, most of modern existentialism, uh, which is a very varied movement, uh, stems from St. Augustine. Uh, I th believe that, for example, Jung and Whitehead are essentially in St. Augustine's tra tradition but the, the other views are, are out there. Uh, another a modern figure of tremendous uh, influence is Nietzsche, and he plays with the idea of eternal recurrence, which go, mm -hmm. jumps back from St. Augustine, uh, uh, back, back, to, back to the Greeks. Uh, and, of course, the, the Hindu view of time is not St. Augustine's. It's uh, like the, like the Greeks, this was almost uh, I would gather a kind of a fundamental idea that goes back to the basics of Indo-European civilizations, and uh, might be built into to the to, to the language or the earliest stages of that culture, and yet uh, uh, Augustine moved things in a different direction. And he moved things in a different direction out of his interpretation of, of Christianity and, and, and the, the Christian God. Um, mm -hmm. Now, uh, you understand the Jewish tradition more than, 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 than I do. Uh, wh where, where does it stand on these issues? Well, I, I would say this, Jim. In the Jewish tradition, it's pretty clear that God is outside of time because God creates time. God separates the day from the night, and uh, by creating day and night, God creates time. But God existed uh, when when there was nothing but chaos, nothing but a void. God was still there. It, it says in, in the early parts of the Jewish Torah something to the effect that God hovered over the face of the void. Uh, suggesting a, a, a timeless state. But let me ask you this question. Um, I don't know where it comes from, but I've certainly heard this in the Christian tradition. You probably know uh, that Jesus is said to be the Alpha and the Omega, which I think is a way of suggesting that Jesus is time. The beginning and the end of time. Probably so. Uh, and isn't that tired to Chardin's view? Well, I th I think uh, you find it in Tehard as as well. Yes. Yeah. Well, what you just said about the Jewish view is not inconsistent with with Augustine's view that he sees uh, you know uh, a, a beginning and an end, and time is something in between. Now, I ask myself, what do I think? And uh, I suppose I think. Uh, that there would be nothing before and nothing after because time it's in order to think to be conscious of anything uh, there has to be time and it doesn't make sense to talk about a time when there was no time because that would be a time when there was no consciousness and nothing could think or, or, or reflect on uh, anything that was happening. But uh, and another point, too, is uh, t 
Time is related to change. And time just measures change. And if you have change, you've got time. So if you had chaos before the creation of the ordered world that we live in, uh, you'd still have change. Uh, chaos is uncontrolled, disordered change, but it's not a nothingness. The only thing where you could have no change is nothingness. But the nothingness would be, uh, couldn't include having a God. And even if God were a thought, only a thought process, uh, there would be change. There are changes in your thoughts <laughs> all, all the time. You just, you know, watch the stream of your consciousness and, and it's full of change. Uh, read James Joyce in his stream of consciousness novel, uh, for, for, for example. Uh, I think it's impossible to think about a time with no time. That's a good point. For that reason, I would say it's impossible to think about a, a time uh, with no God either. Well, of course, we can approach God in other ways besides logic, and I think that's what Scripture tends to do. You know, the phrase, God hovered over the face of the void, isn't really easily subjected to logical analysis. And I, I think pretty much theologians would agree that uh, God defies our logic. Yes, and I, and I think probably, if forced to think about it, that they wouldn't say that... Uh, uh, that the, the God hovering the, over the void and the primeval chaos was uh, a time without time, they would say that God uh, initiated in the act of creation uh, a time that, that was ordered and meaningful and where it was possible for conscious beings such as ourselves uh, to, to exist. Well, you seem to be suggesting, though, that we can't really address the question of actual God. Does actual God exist if we can't define actual God in, in some way that at least can be subjected to a, a logical analysis? And that may be the problem right there. Well, I guess I would say that actual God exists because time, uh, consciousness, and order exist. And I would define... Uh, actual God is uh, uh, that process, uh, that force, that energy, uh, which makes possible time, order, value, and meaning. Let me come back to the question, if I may, Jim, of actual God, because I think there are certainly philosophers, and I suspect the existentialists uh, amongst them, who who would say, I understand what you're saying about actual God, but I think it's possible that we can have a meaningful life even if actual God does not exist. Uh, and that your argument that because the universe appears to be vast and orderly, that therefore actual God must exist, uh, a lot of philosophers don't accept that argument. Well, I would agree that we don't have to believe in actual God uh, in order to have a meaningful life. Uh, for someone who recently died, uh, Stephen Hawking, he seems to, to have had a meaningful life but he was an atheist. He didn't believe in actual God, and he actually believed what, uh, uh, to me, is the absurd idea that the universe could just suddenly end. 
tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't need to be connected with uh, uh, actual God uh, at, at a level of consciousness, I- ideology, and so on in order to have meaningful experiences. You pointed out earlier that a, a God worthy of being worshipped wouldn't want to be worshipped. It strikes me as as a very important point. Uh, and a God worthy of submission would not want submission. Uh, but uh, I think God wants us to listen to to listen to it, him, she. <laughs> There's no way of putting a sex-related uh, yeah. pronoun on an actual God. Uh, but, uh, and the spiritual force within the forces within the psyche will make themselves manifest. Uh, I, I think that was Wittgenstein's phrase. I can't uh, think, remember the whole thing, but he talks about uh, the, the unknown, the mystical making itself manifest. And these spiritual uh, impulses make themselves manifest to uh, people in different degrees. Now, maybe it never made itself manifest to uh, uh, Stephen Hawking, but I suspect it actually did. Uh, what I think happens is that it's transmuted into something else. And we live in a very ideological age. And I think sometimes people don't want to pursue, or the ego is not willing to pursue the, the spiritual impulses, and so they become transmuted into a kind of uh, uh, ideological, uh, uh, into ideology. Instead of having religion or spirituality, they have ideology. Uh, and it's so often the case that people who say they're atheist will be very ideological. And of course, Marxism uh, is officially atheistic, and yet it is extremely ideological. Uh, that's uh, another interesting subject. Uh, uh, Marxism, I, I think of uh, Marxism and Islam as being ideological offshoots from the essential thrust of the Judeo-Christian deity and civilization. Marxism has become, uh, at least in the West, the most important challenge to uh, uh, the traditional religion and so on, but it's, it's a subject that is not really that much explored the relationship between Marxism and and, and, and religion. Ideology and religion are both ways of denying genuine spirituality, in my view. There was some suggestion that the early Marx, who was something of a poet and a mystic, actually, (laughs) not at all an atheist. That's interesting. I, I I don't know whether uh, I, I've never really read a biography of of Marx, or uh, and Marxism is so, somewhat different 
from 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 Marx. I, I don't think that the best way to uh, understand Marxism is necessarily to to read Marx. It's the same distinction between uh, Christ and Christianity. They're not the same either. Right. The the two big litmus test issues now, as I was saying, abortion and homosexuality are things that were never discussed by Jesus in the four Gospels. Well, getting back to the existence of of God, uh, you're essentially saying that because the universe is orderly, the universe is meaningful, and because time provides that meaning, that God exists, and God is therefore very closely associated with time. Yes. And those who want to be... uh, or feel impelled, who feel an inner drive, drive for for a, a closeness with with God. Uh, they need to deal with time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, not not necessarily time as a philosophical subject, but uh, they, they need to learn to intuitively watch the cues uh, that time gives in terms of synchronicity and, and a, a lot of other things. Uh, but uh, another way of listening is 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 through dreams, fantasies. It, it's it's listening is a very difficult thing that each person must learn on their own because they're going to have their own way of, of doing it. And if they follow uh, someone else's formula, uh, they're going to miss uh, uh, the communications that are. Uh, they're going to miss some of the communications uh, that are most essential to to them to understand their lives and to determine who they are. I would say that God is maybe even a little more basic than time itself. The very fact that we can listen is uh, an indication of the divine spark within us. Yeah, well, it's an indication of consciousness, isn't it? Yeah, and I think consciousness itself is that divine spark within us. Yeah, I think that that's so. And consciousness makes it possible for us to uh, uh, understand time and to understand our position on the knife's edge. Well, James P. Driscoll, this has been a fascinating discussion, and I certainly want to encourage our viewers who want to go into more depth on this to take a look at your book, Shakespeare and Jung, The God in Time. Well, thank you, Jeffrey. Well, thank you very much for being with me, Jim. 